It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good afternoon, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to follow us here. 20 days away from the NFL draft, believe it or not. We're continuing to go through these positions. Whether the Dolphins have a pick in the top 100 or not, or whether they have needs at all at these positions too. Uh, but, Paul, before we get into that, a few uh, uh, pieces of Dolphins news, some breaking news here. Um, the Dolphins have a new punter, Thomas Morstead. And somebody there in the chat said that the Matareza uh, dream is dead. So uh, what do you think of this move? I think it's a good move. I want to see the con- contract details. Um, I'm hoping it's something. It's, so this is an even better move if it's something that the Dolphins can get out of if they were to draft Matareza. I don't think the Matareza dream is dead unless you gave him, you know, Morstead one year because it is a one-year deal and like $6 million guaranteed. Otherwise... It's probably a deal that that doesn't preclude you drafting Matareza, but sets you up so you're good either way. And I like Miami going into the draft without having to overdraft somebody just to make sure that they get their guy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. And uh, he made the Pro Bowl in 2012, uh, and he's been kicking for a while. I mean, he was a former fifth-round pick, 164th overall in the 2009 draft. He punted here for the uh, Falcons and the Jets last year, and I was looking up his numbers from the other day. Uh, as far as net punting and average punting, he was in the top 10 last year. As a comparison, Pilardi uh, in average was 16th, and net he was 19th. So right off the bat, the Dolphins have improved their punter situation. And their kicker, there. because let's face it, no one can hold worse than Pilardi did last year. Yeah, that was the worst part of it. So uh yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on uh, what he has um, for uh, if, how much guaranteed money, if any that he, if any that he got. Um, he was released by the Jets last year on November eighth, uh, but they also he was signed originally because they had because um, uh, of an in- injury to Brandon Mann, who's one of the best better punters in the league here. Anyway. Um, Paul, we haven't had a show either since Devontae Parker was traded. Um, Devontae Parker and a fifth rounder this year for a third next year. I'll give you my opinion first here. Uh, the, you know, on this show, we, we predicted, we've predicted he would be traded. Uh, and we actually predicted it would actually be for a fifth round pick. But if you look at the value chart, um, the value that they are getting for Devontae Parker um, is equivalent to a late third round pick on the draft mm-hmm. value chart. So I always thought that, you know, I always said that I wouldn't give them up for less than a third round. Well, they got an equivalent of a third rounder, and now they've got five picks probably in the top 90 next year. As it stands right now, um, they do, and I like that a lot. But I also think knowing Chris Greer and knowing the Chris Greer managed drafts, if somebody he wants – falls into striking distance. Uh, he has shown he is not shy to move anything and everything all over the place to get where he would like to be. And 
So it would not shock me, especially given the visits that Miami's had, if Greer finds his way probably more so into day two, but it, it also wouldn't shock me if somehow he ended up in late round one again. This year? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this question out to you because I threw it out to Twitter too. Uh, you know, it, let, let's say, let's not say late round one. Let's say early day two, like, like 33rd, 34th pick in the draft. Here's my question to you. Is there any player that you, if they're there at 33 or 34 on day two, very, very early in the second round, that you would trade the Dolphins' 20, a 2023 first-round pick to take them off the board put, and put them on the 2022 Miami Dolphins? The Dolphins or San Francisco's? Uh, let's say whatever pick is later. Whatever picks later? Okay. Yeah. I might at this point, and even if they do sign Ruben Foster, I might do it for one of the linebackers. Um, if, jeez, uh, if, if Devin Lloyd's not going to fall, the Kobe Dean is starting to end up at the end of round one, so it's potentially something where he could he could fall a couple spots, or maybe Chad Muma, and it wouldn't have to be 33-34 per se, um, and I'd want a little, ex, you know, maybe get a, a third for the fir- next year for the first in return. But, uh, you know, one of those guys that basically fits an upgrade need for Miami that could realistically fall. I'm not even going to say anybody that's a top 15 guy because uh, even with a gas mask, most of those top 15 guys will go in the top 25. Uh, you know, like. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, you're yeah. looking at guys like, for example, I mean, that are unlikely to fall. But if I don't think. Nicobe Dean's a good a good name there. Devin mm-hmm. Lloyd, if he falls because of his fl- slow forty time, which probably isn't going to happen, or Tyler Linder Linderbaum, uh, uh, Jamison Williams, those are guys that are very unlikely to fall that far. But one of them might. And my answer my answer to that would be no. I'd like to hang on to all those picks. Um, I would say if I had to pick one guy, I could stomach it for it would be Jamison Williams because comparing him with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the offense, if that's the direction you want to go. Yeah, I could see it happening. Otherwise I want to keep those picks in our back pocket for 2020. And at receiver, there are some really good speedy receivers late that I love, or, you know, when I say late, I mean, beyond the first round that I love. So I wouldn't really be okay moving up to supplement an already stacked position with somebody that's it's got to be somebody that's going to be on the field. Um, now, one thing I will throw in as a caveat, and this is something that I know we've, we've joked a little bit about is when we did our mock draft show, if Jordan Davis slides, like you think he will, I would 100% slap either first round pick next year to go up and get him because I think he is a difference maker. That's going to revolutionize the way that people are utilizing defensive tackles right now. I think he is that good, especially when the only the only knock on him is worry about stamina. Right, right. I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he went high. Uh, it, it, I don't think he's going to go as high as 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 you've projected him. But I mean, if he goes in the mid 
first to the Chargers or the Ravens. Ravens pick 14th, Chargers pick 17th. That wouldn't shock me. I just tend to think at the end of the day, GMs are going to have a hard time banging on the table for a defensive tackle that didn't get a lot of sacks or didn't get a a lot of pressures against the pass at Georgia. He could in the NFL, but that that's what I think it's going to come down to. So I, I'm 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 swimming upstream on on that one. But yeah, yeah just, just just a question I wanted to ask you there. So uh, yeah, no, the, absolutely. And I and, and we'll, we've got plenty of time to talk about you know NFL draft stuff coming up. I know we've got a few things we're kicking around for some draft stuff this year. That's going to be a little fun and different because of the fact that you know we don't have a first or second rounder. This is not a huge draft year for the Dolphins, but it's an important draft year because. With the less picks and without as many needs, you really need to hit on it with those ones that you kept. You know, what's funny is I think our first draft show, we uh, had like, I don't know, how many listens, like 5,000 or something like that. And as soon as the Tyreek trail, the trade happened, that got cut like in half immediately. And I get it. I get it. Uh, I don't take it. Well, maybe it's me. I don't know. Uh, but I tend to think it's the draft picks. But anyway, I have a few other things to clean up here before we get onto the tight ends and the fullbacks, which I'll, I'll just put my feet on the table and let you take that. Fullback show, on. baby. Fullback <laughs> show. Let's go. The, the Dolphins re-signed John Jenkins. I'm probably the wrong person to ask about John Jenkins because in 2019, when they signed him, I thought he was a bum and he played really well for the Dolphins and I wanted him back. They didn't re-sign him. Uh, and then in 2021, I was really excited that he was back, and I didn't think he played all that well last year. He didn't really get a lot him. of opportunity. I mean, it's he got outshone by Adam Butler. He got outshone by Christian Wilkins finally stepping up. He got outshone by Zach Sealer. And he's not he's not the run stuffer that Raekwon Davis is, and he doesn't have the upside of Raekwon Davis. Like, it's, so it sucks. It, he doesn't suck. He's just not as good as those guys. And right. he's a specific niche role player. Uh, in a way that is getting, well, let's face it, it's getting reduced by modernized defenses. And Miami runs that amoeba psycho defense a lot when they're playing successfully on defense. And part of the threat of that is having defensive linemen athletic enough that they can at least drop into a hook zone. And that ain't him. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm with you on that. And I'm fine. I'm fine with bringing him back. And I, I didn't see the contract, but I'm, I'm sure not a lot's guaranteed. So he's going to be you know, competing for a roster spot. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, and also too, they're working out today, a very interesting Ruben Foster and Ruben Foster's worked out with several teams over the last couple of years, worked out with the Jaguars and jets last year. Didn't come to terms on a contract. Uh, hasn't been in the NFL for a while. First round pick in 2017, uh, pretty horrible human being overall. But, um, I tell you what, when did 20, the 2016 college football season, when I was looking at tape for the in preparation for the 2017 draft he was the one i wanted the dolphins even with all the problems wanted them to draft in the first round now they drafted charles harris which so i guess you know isn't that much worse than what reuben foster's turned out to be but no i mean no, this charles guy harris has was on the field a lot more yeah and now he's doing well for the lions uh seven million a year he's getting gonna get the next two years charles harris <laughs> um um but he was a guy I looked at in the 2017 draft, and I said, wow, uh, if you could get a talent like him later, I think it's worth the risk. Well, turned out to not be the case. So he's been, he was arrested three times in 10 months of 2018. I don't know. I mean, you're, yeah, 
worth the risk? I don't know. Um, we'll see if anything uh, happens there with the Dolphins and Ruben Foster. Yeah, I wasn't 100% on board, but like Shake Money just said, let's talk some fullbacks. Okay. Tight ends. Fullbacks, tight ends. So uh, we'll start with fullbacks here. Um, Paul, you could talk about all three of them that I don't care about. Uh, no, you're... <laughs> Um, I, I know, I know one of your favorite players in this draft here, uh, Chiga Kanku from, from Maryland is somebody very going to be very high on your wish list, even though their dolphins don't have a lot of needs there at fullback or tight end here in this draft. He is it's, and, and a lot of that has to do with, so when I set up my rankings for my tight ends and went through and watched all my footage and all that fun stuff, like one thing I want to say before I dive into individual players at all is tight ends got is probably one of the hardest positions to truly evaluate at the college level. You can't go off statistics in any way. Like some statistics for other teams will lie, but at the end of the day, it's the usage of the tight ends and the deployment of the tight ends is hugely, hugely effective on whether people even notice them. And, you know, it's, you can notice a wide receiver a lot more, but the tight ends, it's, you know, you just keep him in tight and have him use his hands, but he's actually a great pass catcher. You just never use it. Um, A good example of that, actually, one of the guys that I'll talk about real quick, just to to illustrate that. And some of it's fullbacks too, because they don't put footage footage of a fullback blocking out in many places. Um, What was his name there? Curtis Hodges. I mean, he's tall and lanky, played for Arizona State. And, you know, he's six, eight, and he looks like a wide receiver body blocks. Awesome. And I watched footage. Arizona state was a sloppy technique offense, sloppy quarterback play, horrible reads. And you look, and when he got the opportunity, he did great. And he's actually an above average blocker, even though he's a long lanky frame and he's weak. Like you look at, you look at his bench press. He, he put up nothing. And, yeah, but 11. Actually, yeah. He, he has great technique. He shifts his hips well, um, swings his hips around to, to shield the, the running lanes, and there's a lot to like about him, and he's a guy that hasn't gotten the opportunities, so people at the next level, especially you get him with a strength and conditioning guy that can build out on the frame the way he's built, and suddenly he's catching everything out there. He's He shields well, gets open, and people are like, where did he come from? You know, why did he only put up, you know, craptastic yards in college well it's because he has to do it right right he has uh, i put down really really poor man's jimmy graham really really poor man's uh but yeah he's six eight uh looks like a receiver really thin averaged almost 19 yards a catch this past year but only caught 20 passes um he's somebody yeah in the later rounds with one of those two seventh round picks if you want to take a flyer on him i i I could see see that happening stash on the practice squad um well, that uh, the way he stock blocks downfield is is going to be tremendous. Yeah, uh, so you know, but as far as the tight ends are concerned here, uh, you know, when I look at this class, I see two guys at the top that I, I to me blow everybody else away, and then you've got the rest. And the first guy is Trey McBride from Colorado State. He should be the first tight end selected. He's gotten a lot of Dallas Goddard comparisons. Um, you know, he's not. Uh, he's he's not somebody that's going to run you know a four a, a four four. He's not a Kyle Pitts. He's not a Vernon Davis type prospect. But this past year, he he had a, over eleven hundred yards, the first tight end in college football to do that. 
uh, since 2013, Jason Morrow. He caught 90 passes for over 1,100 yards in his whole career at Colorado State. 164 catches, only dropped five passes. So great hands, uh, really filled out frame. Uh, so I, I, I see him as a solid second round pick for somebody, not the Dolphins, obviously. Um, and my second guy, this is somebody I think a lot more highly of than other people do, I think. And that's Greg Dulcich from, uh, from UCLA. And he is somebody that during senior bowl week really jumped out uh, among these guys. And when I look at him, I see great body control, um, the ability to get in and out of cuts really, really well for somebody, you know, who's six, four, 243 pounds. I think his best football is ahead of him. He's a hands catcher too. He can catch, he can pluck the ball quickly, turn up field, I see him going uh, when it's all said and done, probably somewhere in the third round area. And then for me, after that, you've got, you've got like seven Durham Smythes after this. That's, that's how I kind of look at the class. I, I wouldn't say you've got seven Durham Smythes after that. I mean, I, my, I, I actually really like Greg Dulcich. I've got him as probably my third overall tight end um, and, and not behind Kate Otten. Kate Otten, it's funny you say that about um, tight ends. For him and for Jake Ferguson, what I wrote for comments were, you know, basically you only draft him if you're looking to replace Shaheen or Smythe. Like that's, that, that's, that's, it's just straight up because, you know, we we're good there in that role unless you want to replace one of those two. But the guy that I've got that I'm a lot higher on than a lot of people. And, and, and just so you know, my first word I wrote for Greg Dulcich was, ooh. So literally seven O's in a row. Um, But Jelani Woods, he just jumps off the page when you watch him. Um, He runs fast enough for this offense, running a four, six. He's just behind Trey McBride in the speed department. And it's to me, he's got the potential to be, end up being the best tight end end in this class when all is said and done. Um, Sure. He's an excellent blocker. He's got excellent hands. He plays faster and has, he's got longer length than his measurables because he can pluck the ball out of the air. And you, the field vision, once he gets the ball in his hands, is, is, is tremendous. Um, and he's one of the guys that I have listed as a pure tight end because um, I have a lot of these guys listed as tight end fullback, tight end fullback, H-back, which Trey McBride feels like one you can move all over the formation, whereas I think you know somebody like Jelani Woods settles in as – a tight end, but phenomenal, phenomenal to watch. And, and he feels like he's got such a high ceiling. Right. Did Jelani, you know, it's funny you say that about Jelani Woods, because he, at that size, six foot seven, 259 pounds, actually converted from wide receiver when he played for Oklahoma State. Then he, this past year, was his only year at Virginia, caught 44 passes, 598 yards. The testing numbers were were insane, and that's why he's really jumped into this conversation. At six seven, you know, two hundred fifty something pounds, he's uh, um, you know r- runs a four six. I mean, that is really impressive. And obviously, he's got he's a long athlete. And when you look at the tight end position, I mean, and and you look at guys who've been not just good players but all time greats. I mean, Jimmy Graham caught 17 passes in college. Antonio Gates didn't play college football. It is very traits-driven position, and long arms and that size most certainly matter. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see where he goes. Um, You know, looking at the rest of this, I I do like um, Jake Ferguson uh, from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Physically, he's not very impressive. 
but I he he kind of gave, gave me a lot of Mark Andrews vibes. Now Mark and those are big words. Mark Andrews is a thirteen hundred yard receiver last year for the Ravens. I'm not saying he's going to be that, but the reason I liked Andrews coming out of college, in fact, I'll say I liked him more than Gasicki coming out of college, was he was a he was just an intelligent player out there. You could just see that he got it. Would find those soft spots in the zones. He just knew how to play football at a very high level, and I think that's going to translate quickly into the NFL. I, I see him going somewhere in early day three, fourth round area uh, for Jake Ferguson. Um, and then I look at Jeremy Ruckert and Charlie Kohler, Jeremy Ruckert mm. from Ohio state, Charlie Kohler from Iowa state. I feel like I'm almost looking at the same dude here, you know, six foot six, long arms need to fill out a little bit more, but um, you know, I, 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 I look at the class overall when you start getting down this list. I'm like, if you need a number two tight end, which the Dolphins don't, you know, you're really going to be sitting in a good spot in, in, in day three in that fourth, fifth round area. And, and I also, I, you know, it's funny because I like Ruckert a lot. It's, it, I put excellent blocker, great hands, drags people and plays physical. And that's something that if I see a tight end that the second he gets touched goes down, I'm good. Like it, it's, I want somebody that's going to beat the hell out of you if you try to pick them up or get away from you, one or the other. And what I see from some of these guys just doesn't work out. I mean, that's one of the things that made me fall in love with guys like Chigaconquo um, because it's, I wouldn't say if you need a number two tight end, what I would say is if you don't need a number one tight end, but you need a movable piece on offense to create mismatches and you're the type of coach that can do that, there's a lot to like in this class. I mean, like I said, Trey McBride, I can see him being somebody you move all over the formation. Um, Greg Dulcich, Dulcich I, I could see him being moved all over the formation and, and turning into a weapon. Chigakonkwo, um, another guy that I really, really like, Isaiah Likely. When I watch him play, this dude is just a weapon. He gets the ball in his hands, plays physical, plays with heart, um, gets open, gets separation, can block, and it's how often can you say you watch a fullback or a tight end or an H backs highlights and just go, wow, this is fun to watch. And and that's where Isaiah likely falls in for me. He had uh, over 900 yards last year for coastal Carolina and a very impressive season for them. Um, and one thing that didn't make sense with Isaiah likely is he goes, uh, he runs a four, eight, two, at 238 pounds. So he lost weight between the combine and the pro day to get fast to, you know, have less to run with. And he runs a four, eight, two that I, I don't see that on, on film with him. He looks fast and explosive. Uh, he's not a blocker. No doubt about that. He's kind of a detached tight end, but yeah, that, that didn't make a whole lot of sense him running that, that four, eight, two. So that, that could really, have him sliding into that day three area, maybe even deep into day three, uh, too. Which one were you talking about? Sorry, I, I... Isaiah Likely. I was just piggybacking on what you said there. I and but speaking of forty times, I mean, uh, three guys really hurt themselves with their forty times. Isaiah Likely, Jalen Weidermeyer uh, is just off the grid now. I mean, <laughs> he came into the season as a second, probably a second round pick. He had a not so great season. He dropped a lot of passes. He's not a great blocker. He looks the part with his size and his and his length, but he runs a 504, and that is a death sentence. The only tight end I read 
I think in the last 15 years that ran, ran in the fives and still got drafted. DC Jefferson back in 2013 was picked 219th overall. And that was it for the last 10 or 15 years of drafted tight ends who ran in the five. So man, oh man. And uh, Derek Deese Jr. His father was an offensive tackle for the 49ers. Um, I, I actually thought he looked pretty explosive on tape, but then he, he goes to, uh, goes to his workout and runs a four, nine at, you know, 240 something pounds. So those two, those three guys, I think really hurt themselves. Yeah. What Weidermeyer, I watched, I watched him play and literally the first comment I have for him is how did he run that slow? Like, it's just, it doesn't feel that, that slow. I mean, I put, he plays so much faster than a terrific 40, but again, he, he put himself in position that I, I can't see him in this offense. And Derek Deese, I started off with might be too slow for this offense, even though he's an excellent receiver that can get open and catches everything around him, um, which, which stinks. One guy too, that I want to talk about James Mitchell, um, Virginia tech as well. I could see him being a movable weapon that he's got great hands. If you, if you watch his one hander against Virginia, that thing was just one of those amazing. How did he catch it? Uh, his, his body control, is amazing when he doesn't get separation, shields the defender well. He actually took some reverse handoffs and looked good running with the ball, uh, coming out of like a wing spot. And I'm I, I yeah. haven't seen his 40 time yet, but I'm very curious to see it because he could be a guy that if he puts a decent 40 time on the board somewhere, could actually help his draft stock tremendously and get notice. Because I I feel like if if people were really truly scouting him. He might be somebody that's a lot higher on these lists. Well, I uh, got bad news of, on that front. You're not going to see it because he tore his ACL in October. So uh, he, uh, but I agree with what you said there. He, I'm just hoping before the draft, I think he carries, he carries his weight really well. And in fact, um, uh, the, the draft network compared James Mitchell to actually Charles Clay. So it, yeah, I mean, I, I I think he's somebody there. Yeah, in the late rounds, coming off that torn ACL, I think could really be a steal for somebody. Again, you need a second or third tight end in this this draft, or somebody to come in and compete. I mean, it, it gets pretty deep throughout the draft here. <clears throat> uh, Dan Bellinger from San Diego State. Yes. If you you know if he's to me just your typical solid, you know, six foot four, two hundred fifty pound blocking tight end who runs a four seven. I mean, he, he is what he is and he, he's somebody that I think is going to be in the league for a long time. will never be great, but I, th- I think solid across the board. Uh, Kate Otten, you mentioned too, and he's somebody that um, I know Lance Zerline is really high on. He had him, I think 39th overall in the draft, which is kind of crazy to me, but uh, I mean, really good. Throw, if you need a throwback tight end, Cade's your guy. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. He's, he's one of uh, to me, the, Probably the best blocking tight end in this draft. Uh, really impressive tape on that. Um, and, and somebody that, you know, he's, he's probably going to carve out a, a career similar to former Washington Husky Will Disley, who just, you know, signed a three-year, $24 million contract with the Seahawks. So, yeah, Kate Otten, uh, somewhere late day two, early day three as well. The the one thing I just want to add on Kate Otten, he's one of those guys that as as much as he's a good blocker and as much as he's a pure tight end, I would really expect him to play physical once he got the ball in his hands. And it, it's, it's a polar opposite. Once he has the ball in his hands, it, it's almost like playing two hand touch with him. Whatever body part of yours you touch of his, you touch, 
is going to hit the ground first. And he's like, it's almost like, oh, touch me, quit. I quit. I don't want to get hurt. And it drives me insane watching him with the ball in his hands. That would drive me nuts. Well, I mean, I don't want him to fight like to a ridiculous point for extra yards, but you've got that build. You've got that frame. You've got that toughness you've shown blocking. Show it when you get the ball in your hands, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, and that scares me off of him completely, especially with us having Shaheen and Smythe in the fold. That'll at least try in those moments. Um, and some people might be asking, why are you talking about tight ends? They're not going to draft a tight end. And oh, I agree with you. Um, two reasons. Number one, we're, we're not cutting corners. We're going through every position. We're going to do that year after year during the draft. Secondly, um, when we talked about tight ends last year, I, I piggybacked it onto the wide receiver segment and started the segment by saying, we're not going to draft a tight end. So I don't even know why we're doing this show. And then third round, Hunter Long is the selection, which I tried to warn still, you, Kat. I tried to still warn shocks you. me to this day. <laughs> uh, I tried so yeah, to I mean, warn you; it was it, it could be a possibility. So, I mean, and I and I never thought they would resign Durham Smythe. I thought he was definitely gone. Never did I think they would have all five tight ends back in the building here so far, but they do. So, we'll one, see. She, one more I just want to talk about before we we move over to the well, two more actually. I just want us to talk about um, Grant Calcaterra uh, or. I, I'm probably saying it wrong. Calcaterra. Yeah. He's very good when he gets the ball in his hands. He's very strong. He's very fast and he always falls forward and he can get over the top of a defense, which, which is fun to see. Um, I don't know if he'd be a guy that fits in our offense, but again, it, it, it's, he's one of those ones I could see being a movable piece. Uh, he really dropped down draft stock wise from last year, but he's a guy with a tremendous ceiling. And then Cole Turner, he out of Nevada, he's a weird one. Uh, 6'6", 250 pounds. Um, doesn't run tremendously fast. Doesn't run tremendously slow. He's somebody that could carve one hell of a niche or niche for himself. Uh, when I watch his footage, he's got excellent hands and excellent body control. Uses his body well to, to position himself for the catch. But even when he's completely shielded by a defender. I can't recall watching a player on contested catches that can do what I've seen from Cole Turner. He plays with an anger and it, it it's, it's like every contested catch is hits and, you know, so and to you, that, you can be completely shielded and somehow he snatches the ball out of the air. So you need a critical third down. You, you get inside the 15, He's somebody you can put on the field and just go, go get you some dude. And and, and and to, to that point, to that point, before you move on to anyone else, uh, this was from Lance Zerline, the scouting report, the body type and jump ball talent might be reminiscent of Mike Gesicki, but Turner isn't on his level at this point. And every, everything I've seen and everything I've read here is terribly inconsistent. And when he went to senior bowl week, that was his time to shine. He did not have a good week down there, too. But the, the talent is certainly there. Gasicki's more talented across the board, is more athletic, is faster. Um, Gasicki's going to snatch balls out of the air uh, that he shouldn't catch. But as far as if push comes to shove and there's two bodies on him because uh, he didn't get the separation on a play, and you want to talk about a jump ball that wasn't even thrown up high enough to be a jump ball. It's just a contested catch that the defender should probably make a play on. That's the time 
where I'd give the edge to Cole Turner. He is better at contested catches than Devontae Parker. He's better at contested catches than Mike Gesicki. It, it's those two are better at everything else that make him a more complete football player that you don't just have to have a niche role for. But Cole Turner is somebody that could start off with a niche role in the NFL. He might be somebody that comes in, gets seven catches on the year for five touchdowns and two first downs on 10 targets. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I think he's got a lot to work on somewhere there again oh, yeah. in that day, in that day three range. Um, yeah. And, and another guy whose workout numbers didn't really make sense. So, you know, runs a four, seven, six. I thought he was a little faster than that. Kasicki was a mid four five guy. So definitely not quite the athlete still uh, 27 inch vertical leap, which was the worst by far in the class. So didn't quite match um, what I saw, but yeah, he's, there, there's something going on there. He, he certainly needs to put his, you know, put his uh, pedal to the metal a little bit more uh, to to make it in the NFL. Uh, before we move on to fullback, uh, you mentioned Grant Calcaterra. Yeah, he he's a transfer from Oklahoma. Actually, um, quit football last year, just like Jalen Phillips. Same story because of concussion issues, and then came back for for Southern Methodist and had a good year for them. Uh, 465 yards for them. Um, yeah, it doesn't stick out in one area, but just just really good hands. Um, and yeah, kind of kind of that move tight end. Uh, also, too, uh, in the late rounds, Armani Rogers from Ohio, mm-hmm. converted quarterback, 6'5", 233. We talk about you know these tight ends who move to that spot and just have the traits. You know, we get a guy that runs a sub four six um, would be learning the position. But if you can grab him as a UDFA or in the seventh round, might be worth the risk. Uh, there at that point. So Paul fullbacks, take it away. So, I mean, there's a bunch of these, these tight ends that, that, like I said before, I think are convertible to fullback H back tight end in a pinch type of roles. And, and, and so, I mean, that's where a lot of the bread and butter is in this class, but you've got a couple of guys, Xander Horvath, the, the walk-on running back at Purdue that could really come in and be effective. He's got great hands. He's got a great blocker, or he's a great blocker. He's somebody that can get up the field with the ball in his hands if you want him to. Um, and then Connor Hayward, the son of Ironhead Hayward. I really like the ability that he has, but he's just too slow for me. Uh, he plays slower than that 4.7240 time. And that's where I think at the next level, there are just too many options when you look at guys like Chigakonkwo, when you look at guys like Isaiah Likely, when you look at guys like Jalen Weidemeyer, when you look at guys like Jeremy Rucker, when you like, it's just, you can start listing it off. And he's just somebody that I I, I think won't fit into what um, Mike McDaniel wants from the position. Uh, It's very much, um, a weird situation. And one thing I want to go back to when we talk fullback, actually Trey McBride, one of the comments I wrote for him at the end and end of the paragraph that I wrote about him is would be a hell of a lot of fun at fullback. And he could honestly be a better juice check than juice check in that role. Eventually speed, excellent blocker fights for it with the ball in his hands and, and, like I, I know he's probably the top tight end. I know he's probably not within Miami's striking range right now. But like I said, he could be a better juice check than juice check. He'll be a good tight end. But I think if he were converted to fullback, he'd be an all pro. 
That's interesting. I, cause I agree with you on that. He, he, like I said before, he's filled out and he has great hands and he's smooth too. He's a good route runner. And, and one of the comments here, um, uh, by PFF was he strides past linebackers easily more than enough speed to test the seams. That's, that's exactly right. And yeah, he, he's going to be a really good second round pick, maybe even a third round pick, uh, uh, for a team. There is no Kyle Pitts this year, but Hey, there, there are very few of those guys anyway. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) you may never see another one again. And I, I agree with your point with Connor Hayward and with also Jeremiah Hall from Oklahoma. Those are the two fullbacks that are always mentioned as the pure fullbacks. If they're going to wait, if they're going to spend their time adding a fullback, let's say in the seventh round, you know, I, I want it to be somebody that is, is like Chiga Conquer, somebody who, mm-hmm. who was like kind of the, the same prospect Charles Clay was when the Dolphins drafted him in the sixth round in the 2011 draft. You know, people forget he was a fullback and even a tailback at Tulsa, you know, and now Chiga Conquer is a tight end. I, I, I have seen a lot of him as well. I am impressed. I think he does give me some Charles Clay vibes too. Four five two in the forty. You, you've got that coming out of the backfield with some production too. I mean, he had twelve catches when Maryland played Penn State this year, and his quarterback was uh, to his brother. So uh, going from one to a uh, to another, never know. Uh, I don't think. I think he'll he'll fall somewhere between that fourth round area where the Dolphins are picking one twenty five. And in the seventh round where the Dolphins um, have two picks in that round. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to say that the Dolphins probably don't draft any of these guys, but I I felt stronger about that last year. (laughs) Somebody that we've named today will be drafted by the Dolphins. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that they don't. So we're going to, we're going to keep some of these side bets. If going here, Jordan Davis, the fullback tight ends, we're going to see. If a guy like Ruckert or Jelani Woods is still sitting there at the end of the second round, I wouldn't be shocked if we start hearing rumors about Greer trying to trade up for somebody. Because if you can get somebody explosive like that to come in and play fullback or come in and be that H-back and be a movable piece, Mike McDaniel, his whole thing is getting people off their spot and, and misdirection and doing the unexpected. And that's where like, as Connor Hayward, as an example, a fullback, like Connor Hayward, he's on the field. All right. Is he going right or left and blocking somebody like most of the time or running slowly up the middle? He's not going to get to the edge. We're not worried about that. We're not worried about this. We're not worried about that. Even if a lane opens, he's not going to have the speed to get through it. Whereas like, you know, juice check, you didn't know what he was doing on any play. He could be catching the ball and, and, and breaking away from you. He could be running over you up the middle. He could be, he, you could toss it to Juszczyk on a sweep or, you know, put him in, put him in an H back role and, and hand it to him on a reverse. Like you can do all those things. And for Miami to get a piece like that with secondaries and linebacker cores worried about Gesicki and Hill and Wilson and Waddle going upfield, worried about the speed of Moster a deceptive guy like that can fall through the cracks and a creative offensive mind like Mike McDaniel can find the fun ways to utilize that. You're right. I remember Charles Clay is either his rookie year or his, his second year. No, it was a second year. Cause that's, that was Tannehill's rookie year where he lined up as number 31 in the backfield before he switched to 42 ran a wheel route as a fullback 
and caught a pass over a linebacker. And I remember thinking that is exactly why you draft a player like that late in the draft. It's because he's a little undersized. He went to a small school, kind of fell through the cracks a little and turned out to be a six round steal there for the Dolphins. And I think Jig and Conquo could be that same type of guy. I don't think he falls to the seventh. I think you'd have to take him in the fourth or get another pick. Um, but also with the other two guys, the, the fullbacks, Connor Hayward and, and Hall and, um, even if they go undrafted, which is possible, you're probably a shoe in to land them as an undrafted free agent because not many teams use fullbacks in the yeah. NFL. The the dedicated fullbacks, yes. Right. Um, the ones that you see more as that hybrid role that you can move around like a chess piece, those are the guys that, for the most part, probably won't slide out of the draft. People will take some flyers on. You know, see if they can do some, you know, unlock some of the special things like with Jeremy Ruckert, who I know is a late rounder with a Derek Deese, um, with, you know, which I, I don't even have on my roster any, or my radar anyway. But if Jelani Woods is, is there at the beginning of the third round. Do something. Do something. Go. I, he is strong, fast, and has a tremendous ceiling that. I wouldn't want to pass on him because you're waiting for somebody else to figure out how to play football. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to agree on that. I I'm Johnny Woods for me would have to fall to the seventh round and that's not going to happen. I, I just don't see them rostering another tight end. I mean, I said that last year though, mm-hmm. look, you've got, you've got Alec Ingold at fullback at tight end. You've got Gasicki who's basically a receiver, but still Durham Smythe, you resigned. You still have Adam Shaheen. You still have Seathan Carter. And uh, is there a guy I'm forgetting even? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure there, there is. Uh, but you've, got, you've got five guys. So, so Gasicki, Smythe, uh, Shaheen, Hunter Long. Uh, yeah, Hunter Long. That's it. It's easy um, to forget him after last year. But anyway. I think, and I, I'm going to quote the great Brian Catanzaro when I say this. Great teams go out and they get great players. And Jelani Woods has such a tremendous upside and ceiling and has all the physical attributes. His arm length is great, even cat. His arm length is great. Now you're and you're hitting all the buttons here, Paul. I'm I telling mean, you. Yeah. And and that's <laughs> where to 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 go up and just take the damn guy at the top of the third, if you can. You remember Jimmy Graham. Miami was like, ah, we'll get him in the next round. We're good. He's a weapon and nobody sees it coming. And the Saints went, really? All right, thanks. You know, and that's where go get your guy. We're not in a position that, especially after signing Morstead, we don't have any have tos going into the draft. We don't. We're going to yeah. cut some good players this year. We might even trade a handful of players for something, you know, anything. At that point, like, I'd say their biggest need is right tackle. But, uh, you know, if you kick Robert Hunt over, you always have the break, break glass in case of emergency, kick Robert Hunt back over. In fact, I wish they would do that sooner than later and then draft a guard in the third or fourth round. But that that's a subject for another day there, Paul. We're running out of time yeah. here. Uh, anything else jump out at you from uh, from this class? No, just it's what I want our listeners to do when they go out and and. and watch tight ends and watch fullbacks, which you should is watch them with the eyes, the, the eye set will go with, even though that's not a word 
but watch them with the eye set of what fun things can this guy do? And you're suddenly going to look at a class that's not great at tight end, that's not necessarily great off the rip at fullback, and you're going to find these pieces that a great offensive mind could have a lot of fun with on a football field. And suddenly, this is actually a really fun tight end and fullback class to watch with one of those movable fullback, tight end, H-back type roles. I would uh, encourage our listeners to watch tight end and fullback for about three minutes and then turn it off and then look at all the receivers, which is what we are going to do on Sunday afternoon. Um, here, uh, exact time uh, still to, to be determined. Be sure to check out the exact time of that on Twitter or on Facebook. We, we're getting better at, at posting that link and telling you the exact time. Uh, schedule is a little flexible for both Paul and I right now, but we appreciate you all joining us. And if you can't, be sure to check out the replay on, on iTunes or on YouTube after the show. But Sunday afternoon, you can count on us taking a look at the wide receiver class, too, where the Dolphins may have a little bit of a bigger need than they do at tight end and at fullback. So thanks for joining us. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan-sided network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.